You're listening to The Co Show, a father-daughter intergenerational conversation about the subjects that really matter. Welcome to episode 15 of The Co Show, the only podcast on the planet where a daddy and daughter discuss important topics from opposite ends of the generational spectrum. I'm your co-host, Tony Co, Big Tone, podcasting today for the first time ever from the truly beautiful rural English village of Elmley Castle in the Cotswolds. As ever, I'm joined today by my supremely talented co-host and daughter, also Tony, Little Tone, podcasting today from her home in Hastings on the south coast of England. What's up, Lil Tone? Do you know that all of my friends actually call me Big Tone? Well, that, no, they can't do that. So I'm afraid that's intellectual here. property stealing. <laughs> you might have to be senior tone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. No, I'm not having that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really, really, really good. So happy to be having got the move out the way and come to this. I just marvel every day at the, the, at the beauty of this place. Um, you know, just love it here. Uh, I hope it's not going to wear off ever, <laughs> this feeling, because I really, 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 really am loving it. Can't wait for you to come and see it. Um, and if uh, any of our dear listeners would like to uh, hear us discuss in some intimate detail uh, the move out of London, the escape from the big smoke uh, to this beautiful part of the world, then that's covered quite extensively in our previous episode, which is episode 14, Big Tone's Escape to the Country. But today... That sounds like an Enid Blyton book or something. <laughs> <laughs> it does actually, yeah. But today uh, we are going to discuss a topic with more gravitas, uh, the sub the topic of religion and I don't really have much idea about how Lil Tone's going to answer these two questions but the questions that I'm going to put to her and I'm going to try and answer myself in our 30 minutes together is what do you believe and why so why don't you go first little Tony <laughs> just a short short question uh, this has been really quite a challenge for me because I think I'm still discovering um, what I believe. Um, and I think that there isn't one label that really works for me right now, and there might never be. But I think I have more of a position of morals that I've built for myself rather than a religion. Um, I believe that inner peace is an ultimate goal um, and that meditation and other mind of mindfulness are essential tools for achieving that. Um, part of that for me is um, I really struggle to meditate, but I find that I'm able to meditate in the bath, which is why I really like bathing. And apparently it's something to do with the temperature hitting that kind of um, the same temperature as the air 
and that feeling like being held in the womb. And that's why people are able to meditate better in the bath. Um, but also through walking, which I know is really important to you. It is uh, very, very. But could I, I don't want to interrupt your flow, but I want to sort of target, get, get a bit more focused. Do you have a, a theory as to why we're here? Well, I was going to get to that. Okay, go for it. My flow, actually. It's a conversation. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let me try coming from another point. I think that my belief systems are most in line with the label Wicca, which I've spoken to you about, which is a movement based on the reverence of nature. Sorry that I keep looking down, but I need to look at my notes. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I find... Uh, the. I find spirituality through nature. That's probably the, really the only spirituality that I feel. Um, and Wiccans loosely have the code, if, if harm is done to no one, then do what you will. Um, but Wiccans believe uh, in meditation and participate in rituals throughout the year. They basically celebrate the changing of the seasons. Um, and that is all about the birth and death of all things natural. So the big, you have like eight Sabbaths through the year and they symbolize different see, you know, the different, the changing of the seasons. So basically you start with the birth of plants and wildlife and, you know, the warmth. And, um, as you come into summer, it's about fertility. Um, is that the same as paganism? It's, it's. I would say that its origins are in paganism, but actually I think Wicca was born in the 30s. Um, so it has changed slightly, but it, it's, it, it's the original belief system is, is paganism. Does Wiccanism, is it Wiccanism? Uh, Wic it's just called Wiccan, yeah. 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 I, I would be a Wiccan, but it's called Wicca. Okay, does Wicca have an answer to the question or a theory as to why we are here? No, it's very, it's very similar to, um, to pantheism. Yes. Cause pantheism, um, I was interested in pantheism because when I lost my belief in the Christian God, which I think is the God that most people, um, in our, in our universe, uh, meaning you're in my universe, not the universe in general believe in, uh, if they believe anything, um, when I lost my belief in that uh, faith, I uh, I was struggling to find what I did believe. Rather like you said, you know, I'm still still trying to find an answer to the question, and I don't have an answer to the question either. Um, and I thought I read about pantheism, which is really tell me if you think differently, but really pantheism is a, is looking at nature as god as as the higher power in yes some i mean sense. i studied pantheism um when i studied john keats who's one of my favorite poets he's a, he was a pantheist and he used to write odes to nature and stuff like that ode to a nightingale is a favorite of mine um and it is basically an anti-religion it's not a religion it's there's no deity or god uh and there's no need to know why we're here or no need to, to um, ponder our existence. And if there's a bigger meaning, it's just about the appreciation of nature. So is that because perhaps we should have started with the definition of what 
we understand what each of us understands religion to be so is that is your definition of religion the theory as to why we're here no okay what what would be your be your definition i think my definition of religion would be um a set of you know um tenets that we decide to live by as well isn't that a moral code yeah, I think that that's for me. I think that's what religion is. Well, because because obviously that is a that's religion. an Im- sorry to interrupt. That uh, that's an important component of a religion, and um, I think the difference between believers and non-believers, I fall into the latter car- uh, category, is that uh, the religious believe that the moral code, as you described it, comes from God and that we are incapable of living a moral life without the rules, if you like, the rules to live by that have been set down by some God. Yeah, and I think I, I believe that the moral code comes from nature. I, I don't. Uh, well, I suppose you might say it's nature because human beings are part of nature, but I think the moral code comes from us deciding what is the the best way to live for all of us for the for the common good for the well-being of all so and it's not as though the rules that we have developed between us are fixed you can see them changing all the time you know think of gay rights for instance you know there was a time when the moral code said that practicing gay um, relationships or sex was evil right and people were put in prison for it nature would teach us that 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 kind of would teach us to accept all anyway because the only difference the only difference in a negative way of um i guess nature versus humans is that it's the kind of um what do you call it survival of the fittest um but that's only because there isn't another option whereas for humans there are other options so for instance when it comes to killing other other things to survive we always have another. we pretty much always have another option so that's for me that's the only difference between uh i don't know we're going to end up going into a big nature versus nature. no no not not at all because I, I, I don't look at it that way i'm just saying that i think that the, the morals you rightly identify as a very important component part of a, a religion a religion a religion to me i think of religion as a way that um, human beings have found to cope with the enormous mystery that we're all part of it's an enormous mystery to me why we're here um now believers w- w- have got it all figured out and i think that you know I think that it is their certitude that is their weakness because it is their certitude that um, can very often make them blind to progress. So for instance, to use my same example, the, ex- the um, recognizing of, of gay rights um, is something that... Uh, has moved the moral the, the moral compass has moved 
substantially. It's moving in other ways, like you, you're very interested in uh, transgender rights and things like that. All those sort of things are moving. I'm just and, and it's yeah. it's easier for it's easier for non-believers to make those adjustments as we learn more, we become educated, and we learn to respect other people's right to live their lives in the way that they want to, provided they don't cause harm to others. It, I think it's far easier for somebody who doesn't have a dogmatic book uh, to, uh, to have to refer to, and, and, and therefore they're, they're stymied by that in terms of making um, progress. So, uh, you know, religion, religion came, I, the roots of religion, to my mind, come from a time when we just didn't understand things. I mean, we didn't understand what, we thought that lightning bolts were like punishments coming down from God. No, but I don't think that's a fair thing to say, because actually, I think we understood more then about some things than we do now. You know, yes, science has obviously progressed and, you know, uh, socially we've progressed and our activism and, and stuff like that. But I mean, pretty much all the answers to medicine are in nature. And we used to be much more versed with being able to determine what certain plants are or trees are and how they can help us and, you know, we were incredibly innovative, even back then, you know, back thousands of years ago. And, and I think in, I, I also kind of think that we've, we've forgotten a lot of that. And we, you know, we build these houses that shut out nature and we shut out clean air and we pollute the air and, you know, we've become pretty disconnected from our roots and we've forgotten a lot of the old ways. And I have a really keen interest in, in learning about how we survived, how we cooked food, how we, you know, learned to survive without modern technology. You know, like the, you know, I told you, I recommended you watch that film. Um, I forgot what it was called into the forest or something like that, which was about two young girls and the electricity cuts off. For yeah. Two it was years. a great film. Yeah. And it, and it really um, was quite a profound had had quite a profound uh, effect on me because I just thought, wow, we, we literally, when we have a blackout now and all of our power goes, we're all like, oh my God, I can't use my phone. I can't use the internet. I we almost can't, can't use anything. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 it's almost like we've had all of our limbs cut off and we don't know how to survive. And that's madness. We've only had electricity for a hundred years, you know, and it's, it's kind of like in some, obviously we've progressed and we, you know, we've, medicine has been incredible and you know science has been incredible but we've also forgotten a lot of a lot of really important lessons um going back to your um belief system which um, you describe as wiccan um it doesn't have an answer as to why we're here and in my mind nobody has an answer to that um what is your answer to the second question then why have you decided that that is your preferred belief system i don't think you can ever uh it's i don't think it's very easy to answer why you are the way that you are <laughs> i think that we are attracted to certain things in our lives and um they become our identity how did you lose your christian faith 
Well, I never really found Christianity on my own, did I? No, none, of us, none of us did. And, well, it was forced on me from a very young age. I was always in Christian schools. Uh, we always had to say our prayers. We always had to sing hymns. We always had to attend church. Um, but did you, but was there, did that um, coercing into the Christian um, belief system, uh, did, did you ever accept it? Did that, was that? I did try and accept it, yeah. Yeah, I, so was I, there a time, is it, was there a time in your life that you can look back at and say, that was the, my aha moment that I thought, no, no, I, I don't believe any of this. Uh, yes. Uh, when I was a teenager. Um, did something happen? Yeah. Go I on. Did. Are you uh, able to share? I don't want to pry if you don't want to share. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit awkward for me because obviously I don't want to be disrespectful to people, but I was... Um, I joined a church in Wimbledon um, because um, my stepdad is uh, religious. He's a very, very kind man. Um, I think he's he's less religious now, in my opinion. Or you know, his he, he ha is more flexible with his religion now. I think, um, but he's very kind, and he you know he encouraged my my younger sister and I to attend this church with him and mum in Wimbledon and we made friends with these uh, young people and they really like just have a way of kind of like consuming your personal life mm -hmm. and you know they're, they're like we're gonna go on holidays and we're gonna eat donuts together and we're gonna watch films and you meet all these other cool young people um, and you know it's very easy to be attracted to the, the, the lifestyle um, because there's there's a very warm community feel around it, but the actual the religious aspect of it never really sit well sit well with me. Yeah, and um, I felt like there was a lot of punishment and a lot of uh, judgment. Um, I, I was always being judged for what I wore, uh, which I and I was always marked as a, like a. Um, what do you call it like a bad example amongst the group even though I was really quiet and quite shy and you know I, I remember being called out when we were on this uh, we went to this um, Christian camp and one of the leaders took me aside and she said that my clothing was suggestive mm. and I was I was just wearing cargo trousers you know like combat trousers yeah, I know. Yeah. and I was wearing like a, a tank top mm -hmm. and she said that I should be wearing like like a turtleneck and she wasn't an old person. She was like in her mid twenties, maybe she was 30. And then I also, um, a friend of mine was smoking around the corner and she asked me to come with her and I was really afraid that I was gonna get in trouble. And they basically blamed it on me and said that I was the bad influence. And I just realized that they had this real um, need to segregate people, to, to have the other over there and when I was there, I was the other, I was the bad influence for wearing suggestive clothing. You know, there was no emphasis on the, the fact that they, they didn't think about re-educating the young men and how they should not, you know, it would be inappropriate of them to have those kinds of feelings. It was all about, it was on the women. Anyway, I'm going too much into it, but basically it felt like a tool 
for people to judge and segregate and emotionally manipulate and I just didn't want to be a part of it and the moment that I started to distance myself I lost all of those friends yes well that's typical isn't it yeah so um but actually to, to be honest with you like you know the stories the bible the you know revelations is really um very scary it's, it's fear inducing yes that's um, a good way of putting it I agree. and also i remember when i was younger when i was 14 you took me to uh venice and and th- th- this also had a really profound effect on me when we were walking around and rome actually when we were walking around the churches the sheer wealth in these buildings when there was such poverty everywhere else and there, there were you know when you learn about history the, the the poverty with people literally having leprosy or dying on the streets hungry and they're putting all their money into painting these churches gold and making these statues and it just makes me feel sick but I, I, I agree with all that and i'm really interested to hear you talk about that however was there a time when you actually stopped believing in the top I think if I'm honest, I didn't actually ever believe. Yeah, okay. And it was more wanting to fit in and be accepted. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, do you know how I lost my religion? Have I told you that or not? Um, No, you you have. Well, no, I don't think so. So I grew up like you exactly the same. I mean, it's the default thing, isn't it? You, you, you go to a, a, a school where you say you have assembly and you say prayers and you, you know, I went to a Rome, at least two Roman Catholic church, uh, schools and that's a lot of um, services and communions and confession and all that sort of thing. Confession's a big thing. Actually, so one interesting uh, story was... was um, and I don't think I don't think that's really appropriate for me to tell my daughter. So I don't think I'm going to tell. No, I'm not going to say that. Okay. Um, but what actually, the, the, what I was very much, I had no doubts at all. It was or it was a default position. There was certainty that you know this is this is there is a God. It's a Christian God. That's the only one. Stop. And I, Your, yours was Catholicism, though, right? I was bought. Yes, yeah, so my my parents. Uh, were Roman Catholic, and so I was brought up that way. I actually ended up the school I went to, Claysmore in in Dorset, was in fact a Church of England school. But the school that I was, that my father put me down for, um, even before I was born, because it was so difficult to get into, was a Roman Catholic school in Weybridge, very big Roman Catholic school in Weybridge called St George's College. I absolutely hated it there. Absolutely hated it. But that didn't put me off that didn't make me doubt the religion really I just still went on and in fact I don't know if you remember this but I went through a time um when when I was living with your mum and and uh when when I was searching for some other kind of religion but I never doubted the existence of God do you remember that we went we went and discovered there was a time when we went to a different church almost every week yeah no I actually I feel like I do remember I don't think that's how we that's how we good that's how we discovered the coin do you remember I don't know if you remember. Point in Woking? Yeah. I mean, that, that place scares me. Well, like, me, absolutely me, scares me. me too. Um, but, it's you know, cold. at that time, I was really on a mission to discover where was the right place for me, you know, to, to worship 
um, the Christian God. So then, then of course, after that went through, you know, difficult divorce, as you um, know only too well. And the darkest time in my life was when I couldn't see you and your sisters. And uh, that was the time because I went through, I, I hit the rock bottom in, you know, in, I was depressed about it. I didn't see a way of, of, of uh, improving the situation. So I went, I decided to do something that I rarely did, but I decided to go and pray. And I went to a church in Kensington, you know, 15 minutes walk from where we lived. Um, and I uh, went into the church and I prayed. I, I found the first statue of Jesus that I could, you know, get in front of and talk to sort of privately. And I said, you know, you've got, you've got to, you've got to help me. God, I, I don't see a way through this. I'm, I'm getting in a darker and darker place. And it, it just, as I was, and I'd done a lot of praying before I got to that point of actually going to the church. I'd done a lot of praying, you know, in my own home and stuff. Um, and it, just as I stood there, it just, and I also I'd been through some counseling to try and help as well. Um, and so I was sort of in a, a contemplative mood. I was in the right frame of mind to sort of question things. And suddenly it just hit me. It just hit me. I can, I can see the moment. I can see what I was, I was looking at this, this um, statue. And I said to myself, it came to me, you are talking to a plastic statue. You know, for goodness sake, grow up and realize that the only that you are the only one that can decide what needs to be done there is no hope there is no man with a long beard on a cloud who's going to come up with a solution you're not getting any answers back you're talking to yourself or a plastic statue just hit me like that and then i then i started researching non-belief and i discovered you know books like the god delusion by um Richard Dawkins and I feel uh, like you got a little bit obsessed with um being an atheist after well that. I did I did and uh you know people often think that atheism is is the position of denying the existence of God which isn't true at all um it's a theism so theism is the belief in a deity an intervening God and atheism is is the non-belief in that system it doesn't mean that we have an answer we know the answer I and mean, it doesn't mean that we're saying that there is absolutely no god because if we don't know the answer we're open to it other possibilities that are supported by evidence but on the other spectrum of christianity is it's almost like when you look at the radical left and the right you've got christianity and then you've got atheism and I was having a really interesting conversation with Tom the other day about how any kind of radicalism has a connection, like depending on your context, it would be just as easy to be a radical Christian as it would be to be a radical Nazi because it's, it's an almost like addictive behavior. Um, so I think that my thoughts about Christianity are quite similar to my thoughts about atheism in that it's it, it i'm very adverse to to people that are um proud atheists because i find them to be very difficult to talk to 
And there's often a really cruel kind of condescending and arrogance that comes from them. There's a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding. Well, I hope, you don't, I hope you don't think of me that way. Maybe you I do. think that you hit that point at what, you know, when you, when you first started reading, um, well, I, I think you're named Dawkins or Dawkins. I think you're right um, to a degree, but I but I can explain it away this by saying that it was an enormous relief to me. I, yeah, and you needed I to felt as though I had I'd, I'd I felt as though I'd had a huge weight lifted from my shoulders because I'd always believed this way, and I realised that I it was something that it was valid to question. Um, and I probably did, you know, I mean, I certainly upset some people when we lived in Florida because the, you know, Americans are largely believers. You know, it's, in, it's impossible for a non-believer to become president of the United States. And I believe that Donald Trump is not a believer because I used to read his books when I was, you know, I used to read his business books and the things that he wrote in there suggested to me that he was not a believer. But I think he's one of these people that just says he you know he dances to the tune of whatever um, will support his position and give him a, the voter base that he needs he'll say anything that serves his purpose it's not it's not a criticism of you because I, I i've obviously done it as well you know with christianity i try to fully embrace it and even when i fully embraced veganism you know i was sharing all the propaganda and being super judgy and mean to people about their their life choices i think it's a process people need to go to when they're trying to find their identity and their beliefs i think you're dead right and that's a good that's a good analogy um, to veganism because um i don't actually i don't ever remember you being like that but we are at 30 minutes i can hardly believe how quickly no, that's no, gone so much more i wanted to say i know me too and i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed everything that you had to say i loved that conversation um, i hope others did too so um to our listeners thank you very much for you've had some very interesting uh, feedback and um uh, input from people in the United States, in the UK, obviously, and um, in all parts of the world, actually. So thank you very much. If you want to be part of the conversation, please do tweet us at Podcast. Email us at thekoshopodcast at gmail.com. You can see, you can catch up on all our previous episodes. You don't have to listen to them in order because it's not like a story. Mm. You can dip in anywhere you like. Um, and um, uh, you can find all of those at www.tonywithayco.com. That'll take you to our Buzzsprout platform. We are also on YouTube, and you can see us recording this uh, weekly podcast. Uh, if you look at the show notes, we put show notes every, every week, you'll see, uh, uh, you'll see that you'll find uh, all our links, including to our uh, Co-Show TV YouTube channel. Um, and also, we now have a Facebook page, uh, the Kosho Facebook page. And you will see that we're starting to put some images on there that go along with um, what we're discussing. So the, the big move out of London, you'll see on lots of, uh, because I'm absolutely obsessed at the moment with the new village that I live in, of Elmley Castle. You'll see that I've put lots of photographs on there. And I even did a little video to tell you about what we were going to discuss in this episode 15. So do look at um, our Facebook page as well. Uh, thank you for being with us and we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye from me and bye-bye.